Good morning and welcome to this recording of worship at Faith Christian Reformed Church. I'm glad you could join in and we pray you are blessed by this hour of song and prayer and God's word. We're living in unusual times. As recently as Monday and Tuesday, uh, the leadership of our church would not have imagined that we'd be doing this. In these times, we continue to live by faith. We're not paranoid. We don't despair. God is on his throne. And even as we take precautions, we know our foundation is sure, our hope and future is secure. Do not fear, do not be afraid is one of the most common phrases in all the Bible. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And so we enter into our time of worship, now as always, professing that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Receive this greeting from the Lord, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right now, we're going to sing together, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
join together in a time confessing our sin and hearing God's words of assurance. For our confession, we're going to sing together uh, the first three verses of God be merciful to me. Let's do that confessing our need for the Lord. does indeed blot out our sins in boundless grace for the sake of his dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these words of assurance and comfort about the mercy of God. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are assured that there is no sin so terrible that God cannot forgive, no hurt so deep that God cannot heal, and no fear so overwhelming that God cannot give courage. God accepts, God forgives, God sets us free, and God keeps our feet from falling. Receive his forgiving and lasting love today. Amen. As we go into prayer this morning, I'd like us to start with some time of silence, and that's for each one of us to pray as we feel led, uh, but maybe to focus in particular on the situation in our world today, but 
to focus on the situation out of the assurance that we just received. In the assurance that we belong to Jesus, that God is sovereignly in control of this world, of all of history, of even today, and in control of your life too. Let's go to a time of silence. Father, hear the prayers of your people, even as we're scattered around this weekend, instead of being able to be together, gathered in worship, even without us being together, through your spirit, unite us supernaturally, comfort us supernaturally, assure us supernaturally, steady us, O God, ground us through your spirit and your word, and use this service in particular, in a very special way and in a unique way for your glory and for the benefit of your people. Bless people everywhere in our frightened world today. Give leaders wisdom. Protect and give energy to healthcare workers who are being overwhelmed. And may the precautions the world is taking uh, to prevent the spread of this virus dramatically minimize the death toll as well. Father, during this time, help us to turn our sight to you, to be listening to you and what you are teaching each one of us and our church and our world. And from us, your people and your church everywhere, may we convey with word and deed what people need to know about you, God, in these times and about your son, our Lord Jesus, and about your word. As we think of the health situation, we pray for the most vulnerable among us in the faith church family, those with immune systems that are weak because of poor health or advanced age, those who are receiving or have received chemotherapy treatments. Protect and keep us all, we pray. Oh Lord, we pray in a special way today for Pete and Nancy Bohr and their son Tom, who remains in a critical condition in Milwaukee. Give them comfort and peace and wisdom. And if it comes to it, Lord, please graciously receive Tom into your arms. Sustain and strengthen John and Judy Veltsma as Judy continues in rehab and during this time when John can't even visit her due to the health situation. Keep us, Lord, your people. Hear us in our weakness and in our need. Keep and preserve your church and help us grow closer to you and others during these times. Help us through this to be even better equipped to go about our mission of experiencing God's word, expressing God's love, 
and equipping God's people. Hear us and answer us as we conclude with the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right now, we're going to sing a couple of more songs together. just again to some of the words that we sang. They're taken from Psalm 86. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and my cry for mercy. In this day of trouble, I will call to you.
As we prepare to hear the word of the Lord, let's go again to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray, as we always do, that you would hear and answer our prayers. In this service, we pray specifically that you would speak to us through your word. Help us to hear the message that you have for each one of us. Father, through your spirit, apply it to our lives and give us the power that we need to live for you more and more. Amen. This morning, we're continuing our Gospel of Luke series called Come to the Table. In this series, we've been paying attention to different stories in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus shares meals with people. And and I recognize this week it's a little bit uh, unique to be focusing on the theme of come to the table when we have not gathered for worship as we usually do. But even if we're not physically together, we know that the Lord is truly with us and truly invites us into His presence through His Word and through His Spirit. And so we are all invited to hear the Word of the Lord and to be empowered by Him today. We'll be reading Luke chapter 11, verse 37 to 44. Hear the Word of the Lord. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean to you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the former, or you should have practiced the latter, without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. This is God's word for us. Our first move this morning is going to be to look at Jesus' dirty hands. I outlined this sermon series and this, uh, this particular sermon a couple months ago, but I did notice the irony this week that this text is focused on hand-washing, And we're in the midst of concerns about COVID-19 where we're talking about keeping everything clean and and hand-washing and all kinds of things. And I don't want to make too much of this, but there is something of a resonance between, between our emotional temperature these days and what the Pharisees' emotional temperature would have been in this passage. We're living in difficult and uncertain times, and it can be hard for us to know how to calibrate our emotions for these situations. And in a way that we can't entirely comprehend, the Pharisee in this text would be having a similarly difficult set of emotions as, as this meal began. So as we, as we go through this sermon, I want us to put ourselves in the place of the Pharisee. And I know that isn't a comfortable place to, to put ourselves. Usually in our understanding, the Pharisees are, are kind of hypocritical, mean people, But that wasn't the case in the first century. At Jesus' time, the Pharisees were well-respected religious leaders. They were 
They were often the voice of the people. They were almost heroes. And so I want us to put ourselves in that situation, to think of ourselves in the first century as well-respected religious leaders, as, as a hero of the people even. And this particular Pharisee, after he heard this new teacher, Jesus, speak, well, he invited him over to his house for a meal, and Jesus accept the inv- accepts the invitation and comes. But then there's a surprise. Verse 38 in our text says that the Pharisee was surprised when Jesus didn't wash his hands before the meal. And when we hear wash our hands, we think of physical cleanliness, of getting dirt off, but But the Pharisee wasn't thinking like that. What he was thinking of was religious or ritual purity. And when Jesus didn't do that particular ritual, the Pharisee was surprised. And the word for surprise there is really, really an intense word. He is astounded. He is amazed. He is is knocked to the floor. He is stunned. The Pharisees and other religious leaders had created this whole system of ritual washing that was, that was necessary before you'd gather and eat with people. And these, these cleansing ceremonies had their roots in some Old Testament laws, but, but this system had grown and grown and put out branches and become something huge and, and vastly different beyond the Old Testament roots. And that was not, not a great thing, not a good thing. But maybe we can understand the heart behind it. And the heart behind it was that this Pharisee and the other religious leaders, they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted people to be able to be in God's presence and to be together. And and they knew that God was pure and powerful holiness. And so they wanted to make sure that as much as possible, everybody was ritually and religiously pure. And so if he invited someone over for dinner, the Pharisee would have expected them to do all this ritual of cleansing themselves. But, but Jesus skips all that. He walks right in and he just, well, he reclines at the table as they did in those days without, without washing his hands, without becoming ritually pure. And this is awful and this is offensive and, and Jesus could make the whole party ritually unclean. This whole dinner party has just gone sideways for this Pharisee. And then Jesus makes it worse. He pushes the Pharisee into even more uncomfortable territory. So again, let's let's keep ourselves in the place of the Pharisee and hear what Jesus does next as Jesus, as hard as it will be, let's hear it as Jesus speaking words of challenge and judgment to us. In this text, Jesus offers three woes to the Pharisees. Before he gets there, he looks at this this well-respected religious leader and he says, basically, you are a dirty dish. And let's all hear that spoken to us today. We are spiritually dirty dishes. We might be clean on the outside, but on the inside, we're filthy. I lived in a college apartment one semester with five or six other guys, and and toward the end of the semester, we got really busy with finals and papers and saying goodbye to people and all that, and so dishes fell to the absolute bottom of the priority list. And actually, that's not quite right. They were always at the bottom of the priority list, but the last couple weeks of the semester, they were off the priority list. No one did dishes at all. And then as we were packing up and getting ready to go, one of the more responsible guys and I walked into the kitchen for this last desperate cleanup. And we did some dish, 
I'll call it dish archaeology. We'd pick up a plate and say, oh, that looks like Kevin's dinner from about a week and a half ago. And then you pick up the next thing, and oh, look, Brian made that a long time ago. And at one point, one of us opened a cupboard door to put some things away, and someone, for a reason we never explored or understood, had cooked his dinner, and then after the pan had cooled down, instead of cleaning it off, he'd just taken all the leftovers, stuck it in the cupboard, and closed the door. And so we opened the door, we closed the door, we looked at each other, and then we opened the door and we started to deal with that really, really nasty pan. And if Jesus had been standing with that Pharisee in the kitchen at that moment, he would have looked at the Pharisee and he would have said, you are this pan. You look nice on the outside, the cupboard looks all right, but on the inside, you are a mess. And all of us, when we hear texts like that, we sort of give ourselves the automatic exception that Jesus is not speaking to us, but... But let's hear that offensive comment, and let's hear it directed at us, and let's continue to hear Jesus speak some challenging words to us. We'll talk about that with the three woes that Jesus speaks in this passage, woe, woe, and then woe again. We'll talk about each of those briefly, and I want to invite you, they might not all address your situation in life right now, but I would be surprised if there isn't at least one that speaks to where you are. First, Jesus says, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. And if I can paraphrase Jesus on that, he's basically saying, Keep the main thing the main thing. We are all tempted to major on spiritual minors. There are some things that we, that we like or that we prefer, and so we focus on those things. And, and those aren't bad things. They can be good things. But we have this problem that we take the spiritual minor themes that we like and we neglect the major themes that the Lord calls us to. And if we are fulfilling certain little things, but we aren't practicing love of God and we aren't practicing true justice, then then we're not really doing any good. So are there places or even just one area in your life in which you are doing the little things, you're tithing on the little things, but you are neglecting the greatest things? Second, Jesus says, Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. And deep, deep down, we all believe that we are more important than everybody else. All of us, to a greater or lesser degree, have that sense that we're, we're pretty great stuff. But when, when we live like that's true, when we live like we matter more than other people, then we are not truly doing good in the world. So are there places in your life where, where your own need to be important is taking center stage? Are you seeking your own prestige, or are you seeking the glory of God? And third, Jesus says, Woe to you Pharisees, because you're like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. And those first two woes are pretty clear. This third one, on my first reading, I didn't have a clue what it meant. And on about my fifth reading, I still didn't have a clue what it meant. So I went to the commentaries, and here's what's going on there. Jesus is speaking the Pharisees' language. This Pharisee is all concerned about ritual purity and impurity and all the fussy little things that we're required to do. 
And one thing, one thing that even the Old Testament says very clearly is that coming into contact with a body or with a grave made you ritually impure. And so if you happen to come into a contact with a grave without knowing it, an unmarked grave, you would become ritually unclean and not even know it. What Jesus is basically doing with that last woe is is giving another take on the dirty dishes thing. He's saying, you people are clean on the outside and you think you're fine, but, but deep down, you are filthy dirty. So that's, let's take that to our lives here and now. Are there places in your life where you have hidden some dirt? Are there things in your life that you are trying to keep in the dark that you, that you don't want other people to know about, that maybe you don't even acknowledge to yourself, but, but that you know aren't right? Three woes. Are you majoring in spiritual minors? Are you being selfish? Are you hiding your sin? And when Jesus speaks these words to that Pharisee and to us, there are a couple responses we can make. One is the response of that Pharisee and all his buddies and and even some of his enemies amongst the religious leaders that when they hear Jesus, if you look at the end of chapter 9, after this conversation, they go out and they start plotting how they can kill Jesus. They do not want to hear these woes. They are not interested. And so they shut down on Jesus and they they walk out. And we could do that. We could do that. We could turn our backs on Jesus and and get on with our own business. But, But there's another option. And that's where Jesus wants us to get to. And I hope all of us can get there. Having recognized and owned the reality that these woes apply to us, that we are spiritually dirty we can take the next step and recognize that Jesus makes us clean. Jesus makes us clean. Jesus got his hands dirty so that we could be clean. The Pharisee at the beginning of this text looks at Jesus' hands and and just sees the, the uncleanness, the impurity. But if we look at Jesus' hands throughout the Gospel of Luke, we end up seeing Jesus' hands with nails in them with blood on them. Jesus took all of our sins, all of our dirtiness, all of our wrongness, and he took it on himself so that we could be completely clean. Jesus can take the deepest, darkest, most hidden messes that we have in our lives, and and he can take what we've cooked up, what we've left to rot, and he can clean it up, and he can make it right. Whatever burdens you are carrying, Jesus can take it. Whatever is in your life that you know isn't right, Jesus can wash it away. Whatever you've tucked away into the dark cupboards of your life, Jesus can clean it up. I've asked you, I've asked all of us to put ourselves in the Pharisee's position today, not not just so we can feel condemnation or worry or anything like that, but so that we can see that Jesus can make even the Pharisee and Jesus can make even us clean. That is the goal of this text. Not that we feel terrible about ourselves and how bad we are, but that we recognize how bad we are so that we can recognize that Jesus makes us clean. We need to hear the trouble and the judgment and the challenge along the way, but that's where this text wants to bring us, to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, make us clean. For our last move, our last point this morning, we're going to reverse 
the woe statements that Jesus made in this text. Woe statements were a particular, a particular sort of thing that people would do when they wanted to pronounce judgment on somebody or call somebody to correction. They would say, woe on you for this or that. And the opposite of that, when someone wanted to express that, that this was the way you wanted to live or this was a good thing, they would say, blessed are you. Blessed are you. And so we're going to close today with three, three blessings. Three, blessed are you if. And I want us to think of these especially in light of the current health situation in the world and in light of where we are and where we can't be today. First, Blessed are those who practice justice and love. Blessed are those who practice justice and love in these difficult days. This week, even this week, how can we serve those around us? How can you find ways to be of service to those around you? Maybe that just means you bump up your hand washing and your cleaning this week, Maybe it means providing a meal for somebody. Maybe it means giving somebody a call who we know is a bit isolated and lonely. Maybe it means just spending a lot of time this week on your knees interceding for others and interceding for our world. How can each of us practice justice and love? And second, second, blessed are those who put others ahead of themselves. Blessed are those who put others ahead of themselves. As many of us work from home in the coming week or weeks or do school from home and and just generally have different routines, we will have much opportunity for selfishness. We will want to be grabby and grumpy with our family and with everybody we come into contact with. But let's consider. Let's consider how in the days days ahead we can give to other people instead of grabbing for ourselves. As we put up with annoyances and inconveniences, and and just like always, and more so than usual, we will have annoyances and inconveniences. But how can we put other people ahead of ourselves? And third and finally, blessed are those who point others to Jesus. Blessed are those who point others to Jesus. We have the opportunity now and we will have the opportunity in the days ahead to to pray, to care for other people, and to be Christ's light in this world. In this time of concern, worry, fear, sickness, even death, how can we point people to Jesus? How can our words and our deeds reflect the reality that we serve a risen Savior who has made us clean and who is the only true hope we have? And that is where we as God's people find our comfort and our hope in these days and always. We find our comfort and our hope in Jesus who went down into the grave and who rose again and from death brought us life. In Jesus who who with his own hands worked out our salvation. In Jesus, who always holds us in his loving hands. In Jesus, whose hands have made us clean now and forever. Let us look to Jesus and let us truly be the people of the Lord in the world in these hard days. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come before you with some difficult circumstances on our minds. 
And Lord, as we've heard this text this morning, perhaps we have heard challenges that, that make us uncomfortable, that make us wonder if we really have been the people who we thought we were and the people who we want to be. And Father, we pray that if we need to be convicted, that you convict us. And we pray not just that you convict us, but that you move us to confess and to seek Christ. And Lord, as Christ works in us, we pray that you deepen our faith and our confidence and our trust in you. And Father, we pray too that you expand our witness to you. Help us to speak of you in our words. Help us to practice your ways in our deeds. Lord, use even us as your representatives in this world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who brings us to life and makes us clean. Amen. We're going to continue in worship with the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. The only hope, the only comfort we have in this life is that Jesus paid for all our sins and through his blood, through his work on the cross, we are made clean. Let's look to Jesus' cross and rejoice in our salvation together. blessing and these words of hope. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord who calls you, he is faithful and he will do it. Amen.